It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Winston Churchill fell sick with pneumonia in February of 1943, right in the thick of World War II and when he was needed most. Would it be accurate to say that the Church of Jesus Christ has fallen sick in the year 2020, right when it is needed most? Hey, this is Eric. Before we venture into today's Daily Thunder message and discuss the significance of not allowing rigor mortis to set in, I wanted to mention that we have added two additional week-long intensive trainings to our Ellerslie calendar this year. For those of you that are unable to sneak away for our five-week training, these life-changing one-weekers have been designed with you in mind. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to learn more. Now let's visit the bedside of Winston Churchill in the British winter of 1943. The world hangs in the balance, and Churchill is possibly the most crucial player at present in the grand drama. And let's be inspired as the old man demonstrates that he is, in fact, an old lion. So I'm going to contrast two things, the old man and the old lion. Both of them are getting up there in years, right? But one is going to demonstrate certain behaviors. It's interesting because in the scriptures, they actually use the term old man. Paul, Paul uses that term. And the old man is typically uh, going to be a phrase uh, to describe a father. And it's not really always a healthy one. Uh, I remember Eddie Haskell in Leave it to Beaver, he's always calling his dad his old man. And Eddie isn't really the guy you want to uh, mimic or become like. And, but that's also true. You see, we have an old man, and technically it's Adam. When we pop out of our mother's womb, we're in a first condition, and we have an old man that is named Adam. So our father, for all of us, is the same. We, we descend from Adam, and therefore we share in Adam's sin. In a strange way, we were in Adam when he partook of his rebellion. And we don't really like that. That sort of bothers us. It's like, hey, I am innocent. I had nothing to do with that. And yet we were in it. So we share in his destiny, in his punishment, in his judgment. And we also share in his disposition because then when we pop out of our mother's womb and we start exercising this thing called humanity, we find ourselves in the same selfish bent. And so all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are sharing in Adam's sin and we're also mimicking Adam's sin. Uh, and so that's why it's critical that we transfer unto a new father that we transfer into a new kingdom, and that's done by repentance and believing. And so when we believe upon Jesus Christ, we actually exit Adam. We're supposed to put off the old man and put on Christ. And as a result, we enter into a new lineage. Now we share in what Christ did. Just as we shared in what Adam did, now we share in what Christ did. So Christ lived out righteousness. Christ triumphed over sin, the flesh, death, the grave, we share in his work. And so we've been complaining about the fact that why do I have to share in Adam's work? Well, you don't have to if you repent and believe. Now you can share in Christ's work. That's an amazing reality. And so the old man is in this story. It's actually Winston Churchill, who's the old man and he's the old lion. I know it sounds, but that's the same with us. You ever had that thought? It's like, yeah, I could demonstrate both the old man in my life and the old lion. And that's why we need to make sure that we're fanning into flame the old lion, that there is a strength that God desires to showcase in and through this life. 
So we're going to read a little from Winston Churchill. Uh, and this is in 1943 in February. So in, in uh, November of 1942, the Allies, it's the first time that Great Britain and America are going to ally together for a battle. And that's going to be Operation Torch, which is going to take on North Africa. And so North Africa is... Axis controlled and the Vichy French, which are the bad French, the ones that have sided with Hitler, are in control of North Africa. So Operation Torch is going to go after North Africa and it's going to be the first time in the war up to this point. The war is going to start September of 1939. So we're really far into it, right? Two and a half years. And we're finally going to, actually three years, and we're finally going to win a war. For Great Britain, it's like their first battle that they're actually going to win. And so it's a, it's a pretty big deal uh, for them. And to, they actually take control of North Africa. So this is going to be the turning point of the hinge of, all, of World War II. So from this point forward, the Allies are going to win every battle. And they're going to ultimately sweep away uh, Hitler from Europe. But I don't want to give anything away. And uh, so uh, that wasn't a spoiler, was it? Uh, it's, it's interesting because I was telling Leslie, it's like I'm, I'm struggling in this World War II series. It's almost like I wonder if I should just finish it up because the ending now, it's like almost too easy. And I, I understand and I identify more with the battle and the, and the challenges than I do with the victory <laughs> in a strange way. So it's just like, well, what's the good of just talking about, and they won this, and then they won this, and then they won this. That's not fun. I, I like the challenge of then they lost this. And then I want to look at Winston Churchill and go, what are you going to do? Because I need to know what you're going to do because that's where I feel like I live most of my life is in the midst of this heat of battle and heat of war. I want to know what he's going to do. And so I've really enjoyed the difficulties of World War II up to this point. I don't know how I'm going to respond to the successes of World War II. And yet I also told Leslie, I said, maybe that's exactly what God is wanting me to understand, is how to walk in that triumph that actually sees culture change. Because personally, I walk in triumph. I do, personally. However, in ministry, I tell you what, it's all out war. To just keep your head above water, to keep the message of Christ permeating a culture is very difficult. What would happen if we actually saw revival sweep the nations, that we saw souls melting before the Holy Spirit's work and that the gospel started to be proclaimed to the nations and we all are looking around going, what? Is this how it works? Well, this is how it worked back in the early church. I mean, 3,000 came into the church that day. I mean, this is like extraordinary stuff. It's like, yeah, that. God do that in our life. Maybe this is the hinge point. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm expectant. Winston Churchill says, My first task on getting home was to make a full statement to the House of Commons on the Casablanca Conference. So my Friday message was called Casablanca. And so that's going to be in January of 1943, where the Allies are all going to meet, and they're trying to decide what they're going to do in 1943, and they're not agreeing. So it was basically the concept of, can the church actually get along and work together? And good message. I think you guys would enjoy that if you haven't heard it. My tour of the Mediterranean on the general position. It took me more than two hours on February 11th to make my speech, but I was more tired by my journey than I had realized at the time, and I must have caught a chill. Winston Churchill is aging. 
Now, at this time, he's closing in on 70. Okay, now, no, I'm not trying to make a statement to any of you that are closing in on 70. Uh, and Dan and Sandy, I wasn't looking in your direction, by the way, when I said that. <laughs> but he, his recent, he's been traveling all over the world. The strains and the pressures of war are aging him quickly. Have you ever noticed that presidents, they age about 40 years and about five, and four, I should say four. We give a good presidential number as opposed to five. But they age quickly. Their gray just starts sprouting out. And it's because of the intensity of that role in that position. Well, Winston Churchill is sort of like, in the last two and a half years, it's been about five presidencies. This is like the weight of the world is on this guy. And it is crushing. When he was in uh, America during one of his uh, visits to Roosevelt, his doctor is going to note that he had a heart attack, but he's not going to tell Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill very likely died, never knowing, like multiple years later, multiple decades later, not even knowing that he had a heart attack when he was in the United States. That's going to come out later. It's one of those cool little pieces of trivia. And so Winston Churchill is very physically uh, depleted. And so after this massive trip, and again, there, this is a huge moment in uh, world's history, actually, is what he is participating in, what he's leading. He's going to come back to debrief uh, the, uh, the nation, and he is going to fall ill. But I was more tired by my journey and then, journeying than I had realized at the time, and I must have caught a chill. A few days later, a cold and sore throat obliged me to lie up. In the evening of the 16th, that's of February, when I was alone with Mrs. Churchill, my temperature suddenly rose, and Lord Moran, who had been watching me, took a decided view and told me that I had inf inflammation of the base of a lung. His diagnosis led him to prescribe the drug called M&B. The next day, elaborate photographs were taken and confirmed the diagnosis, and Dr. Jeffrey Marshall of Guy's Hospital was called in consultation. All my work had come to me hour by hour at the annex, and I had maintained my usual output, though feeling far from well. But now I became aware of a marked reduction in the number of papers which reached me. When I protested, the doctors, supported by my wife, argued that I ought to quit my work entirely. I would not agree to this. Sounds like some people on our staff. Uh, this is classic Winston Churchill. If you've, if you've studied Winston Churchill's life, he's going to be in these positions where he's like, oh, I'm not, you're not going to take this away from me. This is, this is the hour that I was built for. I am going to carry this weight. I don't care what you have to say. I mean, he's, he has a doggedness, and it's, it's, it's actually really humorous, too. He will continue his patterns, even when, during the Battle of Britain in 1940, when Great Britain is being bombed, London is being bombed. I mean, they're trying to take him out. If you want to just say it, all the Luftwaffe, the Air Force of the Germans, are targeting him. They want to get him. And he's going to take his nightly stroll. He's going to get his, uh, <clears throat> his drink uh, that night at the local uh, place that he always would visit. And his uh, security guard is going to be like, uh, sir, <clears throat> sir, it's not safe out here. And Churchill will be like, look, I have someone else watching out for me. And the security guard's like, who? And he, he mentions like, is it Brown? Is he watching out for you? No. And Winston Churchill points up. He's like, and I am not going to die a day earlier uh, than I'm supposed to. God has me here right now. This is my assignment. Now, why he needs to go and get his little drink and his cigars and things like that, I can't endorse, okay? The fact that my middle name is Winston doesn't mean I have answers for all of these things. What should I have done all day? Then they said I had pneumonia. This is Winston Churchill talking. 
To which I replied, well, surely you can deal with that. Don't you believe in your new drug? Dr. Marshall said he called pneumonia the old man's friend. That was my original title for this one. Why, I asked, because it takes them off so quietly. So there is something called pneumonia, which we're all familiar with at a a basic level. The makeup of pneumonia, it's an infection of the lungs. The lungs, which supply oxygen, pneumonia impairs the oxygen tank. So the reason some people will die from pneumonia is it's a severe case of pneumonia can effectively cut off oxygen to the body. So obviously this can be a big deal. Most of us don't think of it as as a significant thing. But for an older man, this can be a big deal. And it's ironic with the coronavirus, we were sort of familiar with this type of thought, that the old elderly have actually a greater vulnerability. So one of the things I'm observing with the church right now is we're sort of in an old condition. We've been doing what we do for a long time. We have traditions. We've gotten stiff. In, in ways that actually are making us vulnerable to the old man's friend. Where the breathing apparatus that God has given us in the body to take in what the Holy Spirit is doing and to work out what the Holy Spirit is doing is, is being frustrated by this system that we have, this old man body that we are lugging around. And I feel it. I feel like we are leaning more on our systems and our traditions. And COVID-19 threw us for a loop because we depend in a certain way on a certain thing happening in our life. Otherwise, we feel disconnected. We, feel, we start to dry up spiritually without the normal fellowship routine that we have. Throughout history, there's been a need for the church to sort of recalibrate in a, in a season of persecution, in a season of difficulty. And it actually, get this, can become stronger in and through the difficulty than weaker. Now it can grow weaker, it's the old man's friend. In other words, this thing can kill. And so as a result, you see different churches throughout history that become stronger in and through the weakness, like uh, the house church in China. The house church in China is actually stronger because of the persecution. However, the church in communist countries in Russia actually became weaker. And they, in a sense, began to die off because of the pneumonia. The lack of spiritual life flowing in and out, they didn't adapt their system. It was a very orthodox system and it had a very difficult time. Whereas the Chinese house church movement is limber. And it is ready to adapt to anything. It's ready to meet anywhere. It doesn't need to meet in a big cathedral with stained glass. It doesn't need all of that to worship God. It is limber and it's ready to maneuver. And so I've noticed this not just in the church but in my own life. And that's one of the reasons why this message stood out to me and why I picked such an obscure part of World War II and that is the sickness of Winston Churchill in February of 1943. I mean, what does that have to do with world history? Well, it has a lot to do, if Winston Churchill died, it has a lot to do with world history, right? The fact that he's going, I shouldn't give anything away. Right now, it's hanging in the balance. You guys don't know if he's going to survive, right? And yet, if he dies, it's a big deal. And so, the same thing is true. If the church dies right now, it's a big deal. And yet I feel like the church is laying in an invalid condition right now in the annex building in London 
and it has a job to do, and there's a world war going on, and we sort of need to get up from there, and we need to start functioning. <laughs> we need to do what we do. And so that's where this is standing out to me, but it also stands out to my, indiv my individual life. There are things in my life, when I'm a young Christian, and I'm spry, you see, when you're young, you have expectation that God can change every aspect of your life. And so that one problem you have, God can deal with that. Oh, that other problem, God can deal with that. As you get older, you sometimes can get set in certain behavior patterns that you even know are unhealthy, but you're old now. And so I don't know, I'm not exactly sure God can fix that. I might just need to go the distance with that one. And that's what I want to put my finger on. There are certain things in my life that when I've allowed the Holy Spirit to touch, they're not grotesque things, which is why they can sometimes hover under the radar. But they're behavioral things that you just stop adjusting. You stop allowing the Spirit of God to press on it because, you know what, I've been doing that for a long time. And that's an old man signal. When we stop allowing the Spirit of God, that's the breath, that's the lungs. We're starting to get pneumonia. We got a friend here, and it's, it can quietly <laughs> remove us from the land of the living. And so as a result, it's imperative that we allow that fresh conviction of the Holy Spirit. But there's another side to it. The fresh hope and faith that God can change us, even when we're old. Even when the church has been doing the same thing here in America for decades that God could change it. And even when Eric Ludy has been doing the same thing for decades, God can change him. And you can apply that to your own life. So the church in the year 2020, the old man, is it the old, I mean, it's just fascinating. If we were to take, and I was to give you all a piece of paper, and it was private, Okay, you didn't need to, you know, show what your personal response was. And I said, write down on it, old man or old lion. Where's the church at right now? Are we the old man or are we the old lion? Of course, you haven't really heard what the old lion is. So some of you might be going, I'm not sure. What is the old lion? Uh, and yet, it's interesting because I'd say most of us, if we were honest, would say, you know, I think we have a little more old manishness in us than we have old lion ishness in us. That was a hard word to say. The old man is more susceptible to dying from this than the young man. The young man has a verve and a vigor. It has a spryness and a desire to serve God and to do whatever it takes. The older man is less likely to do radical things. And as a result, it's more vulnerable to pneumonia. Becoming an old man, becoming set in your way, stiffening into a bad position. See, I put quotes around way and position because those are two biblical words. In other words, what you have is you have the way, capital W, but we oftentimes have our way. And it's different than the way. And so as a result, we, we, we what was my term? We become set in this way instead of in God's way. Now, the Holy Spirit is, is like the shepherd. It's the Spirit of Christ. He's the shepherd, and he's going to tap us on the backside, you know, our fluffy backside, with his, with his rod and say, <clears throat> no, no, away from that ditch. No, 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 away from this ditch. Let's stay on the narrow. 
See, that's his way. But when we go into our little way, we are off his way. And to justify that is never healthy for our life. And this is a sign of becoming an old man. We are becoming set in our own way. Well, this is the way I choose to do it. Well, that's not the way God prescribes it. I was uh, having a discussion with a, a few men the other day, and I was bringing up the fact that uh, it does say in Scripture five times that we are to greet each other with a holy kiss. You know, and I, I bring that out every now and then. I'm not much of a kisser, okay? I, I never have been. Uh, I shouldn't, shouldn't say that. Leslie would probably be offended by that. I mean, in the church, okay? Uh, but I'm not much of a kissing sort of Christian because culturally I wasn't raised that way, okay? And when you're not raised that way, it's really awkward to just suddenly become a kisser. Now, I have had multiple sermons on kissing, and there will be like a flash where for the next couple weeks I'll give a few kisses out to the, to the men. I, I haven't ever dished out kisses to the women in, in church yet. I haven't uh, developed to that degree where I know what to do there. And, and yet it will fade again because I'm an old man in that regard. There's no doubt about it. And I brought it up, and this one guy made a statement. He's like, well, we haven't been doing that in the church for a long time. So, and, and I said, well, that doesn't mean we shouldn't start. You see, and that's the young man part of me speaking and jabbing back, even though there's an old man part of me that sort of likes it when he says that, because I'm like, yeah, that does justify the fact that we don't do it, even though there are five explicit commands for us to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, most of us would say, well, that's likely just talking about an expression of affection. Okay, that's fine. Well, then we need to do that. So we can't just justify our way into nothing, which is what many of us do. We, we come up with creative ways to say, well, I bet that, I mean, this could be it too, like gluttony. It's like, well, God, God doesn't actually mean this. And as a result, we eliminate the spirits working like pneumonia, the ability for the oxygen to come in, the Holy Spirit to convict, and then the action to change. This breathing apparatus known as the body of Christ is imperative that we actually agree with the Spirit of God as opposed to come up with our elaborate justifications of why we don't need to do it. So we become set in our way. We become stiffened into a bad position. Our position is supposed to be in Christ. Instead, we can sometimes get positions which are not in Christ, in agreement with Christ, they're ours. They're our position. Sometimes they're political, for instance. Some of us, one of our big susceptibilities, especially right now, I mean, I tell you what, it is off the charts high, is we become Republicans instead of Christians. Now, I'm not saying the two can't overlap. I'm saying it's dangerous, where we're like, well, this is, and our gospel becomes Republicanism as opposed to Christianity. That's not how it works, and that's, again, a position, a lowercase p position instead of a capital P position, and it's an old man signal is what I'm saying. It's dangerous. Forgetting what limberness is. You see, when you become old in your Christianity, I know it sounds funny because some of you, you can be young and become old in your Christianity. You become set. You become dogmatic. You guys ever heard that word? Dogmatic. Well, young guys can be dogmatic just like old people can be dogmatic. It's stiffened into an unhealthy position, and you are dogged in that. And it's like, uh, I think you need a little more limberness there. You see, you're going to actually break and divide with the body of Christ very quickly when you become like that. And we forget what limberness even is. So now let's contrast that with becoming an old lion. Becoming set in the way. 
I'm not budging from Christ. How about this one? Stiffening into the position. I'm in Christ by faith. These are actually signals that are healthy, even though they sound very similar (laughs) with with my words set and stiffening. Those don't sound good. And yet, it's actually a part. Now, look at the difference in the third line. It's going to show you the difference. Staying limber in the Spirit of God. In other words, wherever God is leading you, yeah, you're set in the way of Christ. You are, you are stiffened in Christ, in your position in Christ, but you are limber to do what the Spirit of God leads you to do. And that means you're willing to sell all. I don't care how well to do you are in this American culture, you're ready to give it all up at any moment. You're ready to have church in a basement if necessary with no stained glass and no organ. It's okay with you. It does not matter the form. What matters is that function is alive and kicking and you do not allow a stiffened idea of what the form should be to actually affect you. Now, I'm very susceptible to things uh, like this, like atmosphere. If you hang around me, you'll notice that atmosphere always affects me. Like, uh, Eric, where do you work during the day? Well, I have a, I have a tough time working at home uh, you know, the, the kids are always looking for attention when I'm there. And so then I come here to the campus and it's like, oh, you know, that's a battleground. I, I can't focus here because I'm so affected. So I'll always, I usually work in coffee shops. Well, then COVID-19 comes along and messes with my system. And I tell you what, that was probably for the first two weeks of COVID-19 the hardest thing when anyone would ask. It's like, so what's been hard for you about COVID-19? I don't even want to tell you. Because if I tell you, you're going to, it's not going to look good, okay? What is the hardest thing? I couldn't work in my one spot in Starbucks. I'm not supporting of Starbucks. Starbucks has issues. But I really like that one spot in Starbucks. And I like my drink here. Just having a drink right there, you know, when you're working on your computer, and then you can reach over and then set it back down. There's a rhythm there. And that's what helps me study. That's what helps me think clearly. I become dependent upon, I'm an old man. That's an old man type of thing. In other words, to be limber, to adjust like a gymnast. It's like, oh, and I should say like a parkour athlete. That would probably be better. Gymnasts are very, they have to do the exact same thing and they're measured by everything. For a parkour, I don't know if you guys know parkour. Harper takes parkour. It's like getting from here to here in a creative fashion. So you're flipping around doing all this stuff. Pretty cool stuff, right? Parkour, we're parkour athletes. That's young man Christianity. So the old man, or old man, <coughs> seeing weakness and accepting it. When you start to see weakness in your life and you just accept it, old man type of stuff. You see a vulnerability, a thought pattern. You have a thought, you don't kick it out. You know it's wrong, but yeah, you know what? That takes energy. Oh, I have limited energy. I'm not going to spend it on fighting that thought. Old man. That is not how we as Christians work. Old lion, seeing weakness and roaring at it. I don't care. The old is still in there. (laughs) Some of us could identify. I'm identifying more and more with the old, and it bothers me. I'm I'm in my 49th year, so technically I'm chewing on my 50th year, if you want to say. I'm 49, so I'm chewing on my 50th year, which is just a huge number. When you grow up and you look at the number 50, you know, when you're 20 and you look at 50, that's like ancient, you know, some of you in here are like, well, watch it, Eric. You are really dangerously close to offending people today. Uh, but 
I'm starting to feel, I remember Steve Rosen, who's like six months older than me, he was saying, I'm, I can't see, suddenly I need glasses, and, I can't, and I'm like laughing at him, I'm like, you old guy. And he's six months older, right? So I'm thinking, I, I'm obviously doing better than he is in the aging process. That day, I suddenly was like, whoa, oh no, I must have laughed too hard. And God's like, you know, touching my eyes, it's like, it's time. <laughs> and... We, when we see weakness in our life, and of course I'm not just talking about like a physical weakness, even though I would infer that at a certain degree, but we will age and our bodies, our mortal bodies will fade. And part of it is learning how to be content with the fact that yes, we are aging, but also to not allow that to define our spiritual state. So we even roar at our physical weakness in the right way. In other words, we rejoice in the fact that we're getting closer to heaven, <laughs> but we defy the fact that that is going to put us in the grave too soon. And we have a job to do, and we're going to do it today. And so there's an attitude of how we approach that that is very, very important. Okay, the next one. Old man sees bad patterns and justifies them. Old lion sees bad patterns and repents of them. You see the, two, the difference? The old man is going to be like, hey, you know, look, <laughs> I've been doing this a long time. Come on, just, let's just accept it. Burp, scratch. That's the end. That's, the, that's what causes you to die of pneumonia right there. However, when you see a bad pattern in your life, what do you do? You repent of it with the expectation that God can still reform you. So the old dog, new tricks kind of concept, we as Christians defy it. That we say, yes, I may be an old dog, but there is something new that God wants to teach me, and I am ready to learn it today. Old man calcifies into a position of defeat, where the old lion constantly adapts to stay in a position of victory. So as a result, the two, the distinction between, and what you're going to see, I, this is such an obscure thing that I, I can almost guarantee no one in history has ever preached a sermon on uh, Churchill's pneumonia in 1943, okay? <laughs> but that, that fits most of my World War II series. Some of the things that I've picked, people are like, are you serious? He's actually teaching a message on that? It's because of what God does in me when I'm, when I'm listening to these things and reading them. I, I've gone through, I don't know how long this, this book is. It's called On the Second World War. It's the memoirs of Winston Churchill on the Second World War. It's not the only thing I'm using as my reference, but it is a main thing. I've gone through parts of it three times already, and so we're talking multiple thousands of pages that I have gone through multiple times, okay? So the amount of time I've spent with Winston over the past years is, you know, it's added up. And he's my buddy, okay? I just have to admit, I, I, I get along well with Winston Churchill. I appreciate his humor. When he cracks a joke, I laugh. I don't know if everyone else does, but I, I find it very funny. So I'm like one of his, his buddies. But, uh, and one of the things about this is he is having to make a choice right here. Is he going to be the old man or is he going to be the old lion? He's going to go down in history as the old lion, but it's because of how he's going to handle certain situations. And that's what so intrigues me about studying his life in and through World War II is because I'm going to see him snarl and roar at his own weakness even. I mean, he has a heart attack. Like I said, in the United States, he's going to get up the next day and speak. I think he's speaking to, this, uh, to the House of Representatives or the Senate 
or just maybe it was just to Congress in general, the next day. I mean, he has like the weight of the world on his shoulders and he's rising up and totally ignoring this stuff and he has a job to do. And so when he goes to visit Stalin in Moscow in 1942, he's physically weak at the time and all of his advisors are saying, you can't do this. And he says, I must meet him face to face. Stalin is the sort of man that I have to face head on. I cannot just send a telegram. He's not gonna like what I'm gonna say to him, but I need to say it face to face. So he's going to have to circumvent the Luftwaffe, the, the German Air Force, all the way. I mean, there's this huge journey for him to get there safely. And he's going to do it for the simple reason that he feels he needs to speak to Stalin face to face because he wants to honor him. He wants to do it right. It's like, whew, boy, that's a hard one. That's a hard decision for me to make. The telegram seems so much easier when you're closing in on 70. And yet he is going to prove the old lion over and over and over again. So let's give an illustration of the old man in Scripture. This is sort of our mental picture for it. First <laughs> Samuel 4.18, Eli, the old man, fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken and he died, for the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel 40 years. Okay, now that is not the model we want. Now what's interesting is a lot of us really feel for Eli because he, we see some wonderful qualities in Eli too. We see his sensitivity to uh, Samuel and to Hannah's appeal. And he's gonna take Samuel into the temple. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we're going to say, oh, I like this guy. However, he had grown heavy. Uh, doesn't there another translation that says he was fat? <laughs> In other words, just more blunt than heavy. And he is larger than life, okay? He is, he's big, and he has not taken care of his sons well. You see, this is the pattern of growing old incorrectly, and as a result, it seems as if the Spirit's work in the land of Israel is going to be snuffed out. It won't be because Samuel is going to rise up. And Samuel fears God, whereas Eli is going to bobble. He's going to fumble uh, the trust that he was given. I don't want to be an Eli church. I want something different. So here's a different model, okay? You have the old lion, or an old lion. This is Joshua 14, 10 through 11. This is speaking of Caleb. Caleb speaking right here. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am, this day, 85 years old. Most of us would say that's, that classifies as the old man. However, he's not an old man, he's an old lion. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. It was 45 years earlier. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. There's our pattern, guys, right there. When you heed the Holy Spirit in your life, that's the difference. You have a man who is not going to catch pneumonia. He is going to heed the Holy Spirit all those years. He was one of the spies, and that's what it's referring to. He was one of the spies that went into the land, and he's going to come back with a good report to say we can take him. However, the 10 spies, so he and Joshua are going to be on the, on the side of God. The 10 are going to deny access, basically. They're going to be judged for 40 years. 
That entire generation is going to die off but two guys, Joshua and Caleb. And both of them are the elder statesmen. And Caleb's statement here is preposterous, I have to admit. It falls into a category of like, yeah, right. He is as strong now as he was when he was 40? That's physically impossible. Mm -hmm. Spiritually, you cannot do this in your natural strength. You see, you must learn to breathe in the Spirit of God and His work. You must stay limber to the working of God in your life. When He convicts, you repent. When He corrects, you adapt. You're always limber with God. And as a result, even when you're 85, you will be as strong as you were when you were 40. And I don't mean physically that you're always going to just be bench pressing the same amount or that you'll be running marathons. I mean spiritual, the spiritual man. There's a parallel here that is really beautiful. The making of an old lion. Let's look at Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives power to the weak. So if you find yourself in an old man condition, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall, be, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If there was ever a time for a scripture like that, it's when you're feeling sort of old. When you're feeling sort of stiff. We need to be reminded, this is the word of God on the matter. Wait on the Lord. Turn to him and say, God, you have something that I need. He will supply you with everything you need. The promise for the old lion. Listen to this. In Genesis 49, 24, his bow remained in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. We do not maintain a youthful vigor in our spiritual life by going to a physical gym or to an exercise facility. We stay limber by agreeing with God and exercising his word. And if we exercise that, we will be as strong as we were when we were 40. We will never lose that spiritual strength. In fact, we will grow stronger. Deuteronomy 33, 25. As your days so shall your strength be. So, if it's 97 years, you'll have strength for 97 years. God does not depart because we start to get old. God keeps us as long as we need it. So right now, that's an encouragement to every single one of us, no matter where we're at in life, that we have what we need to make an adjustment today and to see a new pattern set I don't care if it's been 40 years that that pattern has been there. That there is opportunity and hope for a new pattern right now. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So therefore, if you begin to feel weak, praise God. God says, I have just what you need for that. What was it that he received? M and B? Some medicine called M and B? I should have come up with something that M and B meant. In a, like, I, I don't know what it would be. Brokenness could be the B. What's, what, what could M be? Uh, I can't think of a good M word that would actually fit in this. 
it'd have to be like a sentence, like, uh, my God, my God. Uh, <clears throat> have you grown stiff in any wrong behavior? Are you justifying any wrong position? I feel like the Spirit of God is gently touching me in some very specific spots in my life yesterday and today. And that's why this is very congruent with what the Spirit of God is doing in me. Breathe in, Eric. Now breathe out. The church is the old lion. So listen to this quote. This is a great one. H.L. Hastings. When the French monarch proposed the persecution of the Christians in his dominion, an old statesman and warrior said to him, Sire, the church of God is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. That's the church of Jesus Christ. So even though we're looking sort of aged and decrepit right now, and we're starting to lose our limberness, I'm a firm believer that God is in control of his church. And that even right now, he is stirring within us to awaken us from our slumber, to awaken us from our bed of pneumonia, and to get us once again breathing in the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the life of God, and then breathing out the action of obedience so that we begin to live congruent with his word and his life. So guys, just in case uh, you don't know, this is uh, Winston Churchill's uh, statement on it. The treatment was successful. He is going to be healthy. He is going to finish the war. He is going to become the hero of Great Britain, considered one of the greatest men in the past century. Uh, it's, it's interesting because two months, three months earlier, if he had been removed from office, which was being proposed by Parliament, uh, he had not won a battle since he had taken uh, office about 28 months earlier. So it had looked, he looked like an absolute abject failure up to that point. And yet behind the scenes, he was laying the plans in place for all the victories that we're going to see moving forward. But he had to live through this season of appearing to be a failure. Very, very difficult stretch of time. And he almost was removed right then. Could you imagine? And yet instead we get to look back in history and see the old lion. We get to see the one who withstood. I mean, even getting sick right here. This is right at the turning point. And his life is almost snuffed out. The church of Jesus Christ is meant to be the old lion in this generation. We're meant to be the ones that stand stalwart and strong in the midst of these unsteady times where the world around us says they stand upon a rock. I want to stand upon a rock too. So I found this. I don't even know how I found it. It was just sort of a funny thing that I came across today. But uh, it's, I don't know what Rota is, if that's a zoo or that's the name of the lion. I'm not sure, but it's Churchill's, I think Victory Lion is my guess of what that V stands for. This African lion was presented by the Zoological Society of London to Sir Winston Churchill, the British Prime Minister in 1943 as a war mascot and to commemorate the magnificent victories in North Africa. So that's exactly where we're at in the story right now, and there just happens to be a, a war mascot. Yes, Sandy? 
magnificent boldness. I, yeah, is that our elixir? Is that our, our, our medicine is MMB? We need a little magnificent boldness. I like it. I like it. Uh, maybe we should get a, a mascot, uh, a, a lion from Africa. Uh, I don't know. This is, uh, this is a pretty cool concept. So I thought that was uh, pretty cool that he, he even received a lion in 1943 because of his victories uh, in North Africa to set it free and to liberate it. Well, guys, let's be expectant as we head into this day. If there are things in our lives that need to be addressed by the Holy Spirit, one of the things that we've said as a staff is that the first signal that God is getting his due in his church again is going to be repentance. There is going to be a breaking of us where we are going to be faced to the carpet, broken over our sin and our status currently. In light of a great God and a great gospel, how are we living? We are living very selfishly as a culture, as a church, and this needs to shift. It needs to shift now. And so as a result, it starts with each of us as individuals. Each of us as individuals needs to get to the carpet and needs to be corrected. We need to breathe in that life. We need to allow the limberness of the Holy Spirit to work us over, to move us from old man to old lion. Father, thank you for being our old lion. You're the one that growls within us. You're the one that stirs us and awakens us to action. Lord Jesus, we submit to you and we ask that you would give us that elixir, that magnificent boldness. Lord, that you would do the mighty work of God in and through your saints. Lord, stir us and awaken us. Give us that growl, that growl of heaven afresh. We love you and trust you. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. And our weekend service is streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.